The ownership of real estate is the greatest thing there is. Nothing like getting a check on the first of the month and not having to work for it. You know? But if you're not a risk taker and you're, you're you're scared of owning real estate, you shouldn't own it. It's not for the faint of heart because you do go through ups and downs and, and even a percentage interest rate change in some of your deals uh, can really affect the cash flow. This is the Broker Lord Podcast, and I'm Derek Walchek. I'm a commercial real estate broker, developer, and an investor from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm on the quest to talk to 50 brokers, just like myself, in all 50 states. The best of the best. I want to hear their stories, how they got in the business, the deals that went wrong, and the deals that went far better than their wildest dreams. If you're a broker looking to add rental income to your portfolio, this is your podcast. We talk about structuring deals, knowing when to make your move, and how to find the deals that can help you achieve your dreams. Today, we're talking to Barry Beitler from Beitler Commercial Real Estate Services. Barry is from one of the hottest markets in the country, Southern California. His firm works with clients like ESPN, Sony, DreamWorks, and even Disney. A career working with leading creative companies and tech giants has given Barry unique insight into the office and residential trends that you absolutely don't want to miss. Go on and hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with the Broker Lord podcast. We've also got fantastic Broker Lord t-shirts. And I will say, I'm a t-shirt snob. I care a lot about my t-shirts. They must be like the Tri-Blend, super soft, and I will send you one for absolutely free. Stick around to the end of the podcast and I'll tell you how to get one. Free stuff, it's true. But first, a word from our sponsor, because without them, you wouldn't be listening to Broker Lord. The Broken Lord Podcast is brought to you by the commercial real estate professionals at Shannon Walchak. Currently, Shannon Walchak is seeking unanchored retail strip centers in growing metro markets in the South and Midwest. With $75 million in buying power, Shannon Walchak is ready to close on the right properties. The ideal centers are between 10 and 40,000 square feet, are located in affluent neighborhoods, have a high concentration of service and food tenants, and can be bought at a seven cap or better. Do you have a center that fits this profile? Then Derek Walchak wants to talk to you. Email dw at shanwalt.com. That's dw at s-h-a-n. W-A-L-T dot com. Southern California is the entertainment capital of the world. Music, movie, video games. It's the backbone of their economy. And the companies and workers they employ help to define the trends that work their way across the world. Today, we're going to be talking via Skype with Barry Beitler about the SoCal market, the trends he sees and what it's like to be a broker and landlord in Los Angeles. So, just, just to begin, tell us a little bit about your business. What do you guys uh, do in California? Well, we are a full-service brokerage company, uh, real estate brokerage, commercial brokerage. And we handle everything from office to retail to industrial to multifamily. The only thing we don't do is single-family homes. So tell me, let's go back to the beginning uh, in Beitler world. How did, uh, how did you get started in commercial real estate? You know, I get asked that a lot. And uh, when I got out of college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Where did you go to school? I went to Woodbury University. Okay. My dad was a builder of commercial properties for a while. So when I was a teenager, I climbed on roofs and was was nailing sheet metal in. And and so maybe it was in my blood at that. But when I got out of college, I uh, didn't really want to work for anybody else. I wanted to kind of work for myself. So I went into commercial real estate. And I started out in the tenant rep business with some guys that actually brought tenant rep to the West Coast from New York. It was a, an unknown thing, thing back then in 74, 75. And it developed to 
where I wanted to sell properties and, and, and represent clients too, and not just do tenant rep. Okay. In 1979, I formed Beitler Commercial. So that's kind of how I got started. So did your dad, you know, working as a teenager on hot roofs in California, uh, I assume you kind of uh, adopted a pretty good work ethic from doing that. You know, I don't know if it was that or I was born with it, but I, I think to be a successful broker, you have to have it in your, your heart. You, 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 you've got to have that drive. And I've always had that. So I think that's the key to this business. I think you're exactly right. So let's go back to the early tenant rep days. I guess before then, how did people find spaces? Like what was different uh, before the, the quote unquote tenant rep? I think back in the 70s, at least in Southern California, it was a mishmash of, of uh, brokers running around showing space and not necessarily having an exclusive to represent a tenant. What we did when we got started was, and I was really young in those days, was you know, go out and canvas, find that tenant. Uh, a lot of it is you not only need to know the marketplace and, and to have knowledge of the various buildings, but you... You have to get them to like you. And I, I think that's the key to uh, real estate, any kind of sales. But real estate brokerage for all the young guys out there is if they like you and you know what you're doing, they'll work with you. That's true. You know, and I've, I've found that a lot of times people will even overlook some inexperience if they can tell that you're willing to work hard. And like you said, they like you. Yep, I agree. Early days, what, what type of clients did you work with in the in the 70s? Do you, do you recall? Well, before I started my own, I was running with some law firms and um, some other downtown and Century City and Beverly Hills type of tenants. As the firm grew and in brokerage, we became um, known in the entertainment industry, which is so big out here. And now in the tech industry, which from uh, Northern California down through Southern California is so huge. We've also done a lot of work with public agencies. There was a period of time where we represented the state of California in acquiring space. So we've been all over the board. That's interesting. So the rest of the country, probably doesn't have that much experience in dealing with you know creative companies like that like records and and movies is there anything different dealing with those types of firms from a brokerage standpoint well it's all business but i think there's a little bit more ego in there because of uh their success and you know when they, when they make a movie it's things just fly and i i think their decision making process is a little bit different than a lawyer that knows leases or it's just a vibrant industry out here which is unlike anything anywhere else in the country other than maybe some areas up in Canada now that are, and maybe down in the South where they're building studios to get away from the taxes and everything in California. But that's a big portion of uh, our, our tenancy out here. How is the tech industry different than the movie and, 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 and the entertainment industry relative to real estate and how they see it and what they need? There's total similarities. The, uh, the creative office concept that everybody's aware of is, is huge out here. And that's really where entertainment was. I think uh, perhaps on the West Coast, we started the concept of creative office because of all of these tech users and the exposed ceilings and the, the, the sandblasted brick walls and the uh, air conditioning ducts being exposed. It, you know, the, the, drop, the days of drop ceilings, even for law firms out here, is changing. And I think the, the creative office was really started with the entertainment guys. That was the look they wanted. So what do you think comes next uh, architecturally? Well, we're going through the phase right now that I'm sure is, is throughout the country where um, the, the kids, the, the young workers, the guys <laughs> graduating college and, and trying to get into tech want ping pong tables in their offices and video machines and, you know, places to take breaks and to, to collaborate. It's, it's, a, it's a different look. It's, it's very cool and I like it. But I think that's at least here on the West Coast, that's a big thing is uh, outdoor atriums, high glass walls, just, just things that are, are, really spectacular architecturally. 
we're already seeing that people are going to co-working spaces and they're going to open offices instead of uh, enclosed offices. And while it's not for everybody, I think it's it's the future working remotely. So I just think the um, the, the real estate business is changing. It has changed and, and will continue to change. And uh, I think if you put some extra dollars into your real estate that you own so that it's got a little bit of a difference, whether it's car chargers for electric uh, cars or whether it's, you know, outdoor spaces that people can enjoy while they're either living there or working there. Those things are all important. Makes you want to be at work. Makes you want to be at work. And, yeah. and, the, and these kids work long hours and in and, and some of the buildings here in Santa Monica and Beverly Hills, they, you know, they, they really work almost 24 hours a day on some of these projects. Do you still do that? Thank goodness, no. <laughs> I hear you. Every client is different in terms of how they use a space. But Barry brings up a really important point. Increasingly, tenants are looking for a property that's not only functional, but is fun. And we're not talking just about creative companies. In a competitive job market, employers are using their space as a recruiting tool. As brokers and landlords, we need to be aware of these trends and use them to our advantage. Do you recall your very first ownership deal? How you sourced that? It's been many years, but yeah, I, I bought an industrial property up in Burbank, up near uh, Warner Brothers and Disney. Mm-hmm. And um, still own it. Uh, I believe in holding real estate long term. And um, just over the years, you you refi it, you retenant it, you up the rents. And the ownership of real estate is the greatest thing there is. Nothing, it really is. Nothing like getting a check on the first of the month and not having to work for it. So how, how did you find that deal, Barry? Do you remember? Probably was through my brokerage sources. I have so many brokers out here that you know show me deals. And as long as I don't cross the line with the clients, because I'll, I'll never buy something that the client's looking at. Um, I just put it together. Did you bring in partners or did you have the equity? In that particular deal, I was really young. I, I brought in partners and since have bought them out. Okay. Um, today, I, I still have many deals that have partners, but I try and do most of my deals either through my own equity, friends and family, or uh, just a combination of refinancing one deal or 1031 exchanging from a deal into another deal to, to increase equity. For those who don't know, a 1031 exchange is pretty simple. The idea is you own a property, you sell it for a profit. At that moment, you would typically pay capital gains. But if you don't want to pay capital gains, you can actually exchange that property for another property. You kick the tax can further down the road. Let's talk about recruiting for a second, because and at the client side so much, um, some of the national firms don't allow their agents to own real estate. And I, and I believe that we all should. Uh, w- that's what we do. We know how to make deals and we see deals before they even happen. And I believe that we should own real estate. And one of my recruiting to- tools is an old saying that brokers die broke. It's, you know, you, you get married, <laughs> you get old, you, you, you pay your taxes every year and um, you, you just have to buy real estate. And I recruit by um, telling agents, young agents that I'll buy deals with them. They can stay in the deals either on the promote side or through uh, monies that they put in. And uh, it tends to keep them around longer. And it also excites them because there's nothing more exciting than you know, owning a piece of real estate. And That's so true. I mean, you just put the nail on the head for this show. The idea that, you know, brokerage is great and you need to do it because you can generate fees and you help your clients. But over time, you've got to start owning some real estate um, so that you can stop trading time for money. Uh, and Absolutely. You, can, you know, get off the hamster wheel a little bit. Thinking back on on your deals, and I think you said you've probably been in and out of at least 100 deals. At least. What's a deal that you're really proud of? Boy, there's so many, but what's become very big on the West Coast is mixed-use development along transit lines. And I recently completed a project in Encino on Ventura Boulevard, which is a, one of our main thoroughfares out here. 
a mixed use project with retail and with apartments up above. And at least very quickly, I put a little water element in it. I did some things that are very different than the typical uh, stucco apartment building. I, I did a lot mm-hmm. of angles and, and, and water elements and outdoor corridors. And the best part about things like that is eventually you're going to refinance your dollars out of that. So you can own these properties with little or no cash in them. And you just have to watch the marketplace. And uh, when you know all the lenders and what their programs are, it, it makes for something special. I've also built a lot of retail. And one of the more interesting deals I've had was in Santa Monica on a prime corner in Santa Monica, one of the larger restaurant chains in the country wanted the, the, a location I owned so badly that, uh, and, and Santa Monica is a very difficult city to get building permits in. I can imagine. Uh, they went and actually started paying rent or a year before they had the, the building permit and almost two years before the building was up, they were paying rent on, on a building that they built for me at the end of the lease term, I'll own it. So it's just very creative. So, so was that essentially a ground lease? No, it's a, it, it actually, I own the land and I own the building and they're just a tenant. They just happened to build it. So it's, it's got all the elements of a ground lease, but it wasn't. This is a great example of why we're making the Broker Alert podcast. And wouldn't we all love to be in this situation? Basically, Barry fully understands his home market and he knows how difficult it is to get properties entitled. So knowing that this is an awesome corner that one day a restaurant will pay dearly for, Barry bought the property. And it's an example of being able to connect the right client with the right property, having the vision and the resources to acquire these prime spots. So as brokers, what we should do is keep our ear to the ground so that you can buy properties, hopefully land bank them with some income in place, knowing that in five to 10 years, there's a higher and better use that'll come around that'll want that property. Another thing I did early on, which started the trend out here, is to take the risk out of a real estate deal. I would find a tenant that wanted to own their own real estate instead of paying rent to another landlord and all the common area charges and other things that go with it. And I gave them a piece of the deal. It started a wave out here, which isn't very big anymore because the market's so hot, but it was an equity tenancy where for, for no cash and a signed lease, so long as they stayed current in that lease, they could become an owner in the building. Give me a little bit more on the structure of actually how you do that. Well, they sign a lease and it's a, it's a market rate lease, but it takes the risk out of the deal because they're signing when you're either in the development stage or when you're just completing a project. And this was a different time. You don't have to do that today out here. Sure. I don't know how it is in the rest of the country, but basically if they, if they were good boys and they stayed throughout the lease term, um, they got equity along the way. And when their lease term was up, uh, even if they didn't stay in the building, they were still an owner, or at least their principals were still an owner, depending on how they wanted to structure the. So essentially each year they pick up a little bit more equity. Is that how that works? Uh, that's, that's correct. Okay. And, I like that. And they liked it because they were, you know, they were negotiating a market rate deal. It was taking the risk out of the deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they became good partners. So going back to the deal you mentioned at, at the beginning, uh, which was the, uh, the, the property that was built around the, the transit lines, um, the actual site itself, uh, was that a competitive situation to end up owning that real estate? How did, how did you actually end up owning the real estate? Well, that particular deal was a car wash. And uh, the city of Los Angeles, the entire West Coast is, is very tough to get building permits and it's slow and, and it's in an anti-growth environment out here. So during the, the period I was going through the um, permitting process, um, I ran a car wash. I didn't personally run it, but I had people that ran it and it cash flowed. And, right. you know, I, I learned all about, uh, you know, <laughs> how not to do something, but um, it, it cash flowed and it carried itself uh 
during the permitting process. And then when I had the permits, I closed the car wash down and, and built the development that turned out to be very successful. And I've got a lot of those. I've got, uh, it's, if, it's nice when you're going to buy a piece of land in a, an, an anti-growth environment to have um, some tenancies in there to land bank it for you while you're going through your process. It's kind of like going through and planting seeds in the ground. That's what it is. So those are some deals that you're proud of. Um, a lot of times we learn from failures. I mean, that's that quite honestly, we probably learn more from failure than we do from success. So tell me about a deal you wish you hadn't done. Well, one of the things that I would recommend people don't do, at least if they're real estate brokers, is invest in restaurants. Um, the, <laughs> the only money I've ever lost in real estate was investing in a restaurant. And I know that can be very successful. And otherwise, it's just, it's not your business. And I agree with you on the restaurant. We, we, we invested in a chicken finger restaurant here in Alabama and we actually had 10 restaurants and absolutely lost our butt on it. I mean, it was the worst decision. It's just not what we do. Uh, I was talking to a local executive uh, who owns a couple hundred oil changes and I was saying, Hey, here's the deal. Should I do it? And he said, you know, I don't know. It looks decent. He said, but you know, you need to be really careful when you're plowing someone else's field because you don't know where the rocks are. One of the greatest things about being a broker and a landlord is that we're exposed to a tremendous number of businesses. We get to know the owners, see their operations, and get to learn about their industries. It's easy for us to get wooed into thinking, I can do that. Before branching out, talk to experts and do your homework. Ask questions and learn what you don't know because there are a lot of rocks in those fields. Let me tell you. So let's shift a little bit to brokers and kind of work habits. Um, what are the traits that you've seen in your own brokers uh, that are common to the most successful ones that you have? This is going to sound cliche, but the, the good brokers get in earlier. They work a little harder. It isn't the number of hours you work, but it's the, the intensity when you're there that, uh, that works. The ability to stay in touch with old clients. Uh, we have a, I have several brokers here that have been with me for 30 some odd years, and they've had the same clients five different or more renewals of leases, or that director of real estate has left a company and gone to another corporation and we've done the business. It's it's staying in touch with your clients, keeping them happy, getting them to like you. The, another trait is the ability to put defeat behind you because it's, mm. you know, we all know this business is brutal and you can go home one night and just say, I just can't take it anymore. And you got to put that behind you and you got to show up the next morning with your fighting clothes on and, and go out and do it again. When you're interviewing a young broker, you, you can feel it if they're going to make it in this business because they, they have the heart. You, you can see the drive. If you uh, stay in it and learn your trade over the years, you're going to be successful because it's while it's not easy, it's very profitable, as we all know. Has there been a point in the history of Beitler Commercial going through the different cycles where you felt in danger as a company? Or has it been pretty smooth sailing for you? Uh, never. No, it's not always smooth sailing. But those that know me know that I never have those thoughts in my head. And anybody that's in this business shouldn't have those thoughts in their head. I know it gets dire sometimes, but you just, you, you got to know that uh, that you're going to make it. But the other thing I can tell you is that we, we live on instinct. And when you own real estate and you're rushing to get at least because you want to cover the mortgage or something, and you put a tenant in that you have an instinct that it's just not going to work. Uh, whether you just don't like them up front or you just get a bad sense about it. Oftentimes when you get that bad sense, it, 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 it turns into be a, the right sense as you have problems with them. They don't pay rent. And especially in owning apartment buildings, you, even if you do credit checks and you, you, you want to believe in everybody that they're good people, uh, many times they aren't. And they just have, that's uh, the experience you learn in, in owning real estate. There's, there's some great highs and some great lows. 
Are you better at that now than you used to be? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, but, you know, you still make mistakes along the way. We all do. You just, you know, you, you got to know your marketplace. Why everybody that's listening to this podcast is in this business is they're risk takers. They're driven. They're, uh, you know, but if you're not a risk taker and you're, you're, you're scared of owning real estate, um, you shouldn't own it because it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart because you do go through ups and downs. And, and, and right now we're going through one of them where the, the financing market is changing and the economy is changing. And I think you have to be really careful because the, the cap rates are going to go. It'll be a lot different than they've been the last couple of years in most of our markets. And, and uh, even a, a percentage interest rate change in some of your deals. No question. You just, as long as you know your market and you know what the economy is doing and what the, the financing market's doing, you, you'll be fine. It's very cyclical. And you're right. And I think unless you've actually lived through a cycle and really felt it, you know, at all points, you, you can intellectually know it, but I don't think you can really appreciate it until you've gone through the, the whole cycle. Looking back, uh, if you could talk to yourself on the on that hot roof in Los Angeles at a young age, what would you tell yourself uh, relative to uh, career advice? Um, I think you got to mix work with pleasure, and I think if if if, if, in, if I'd started over, I would have probably traveled a little more. Even though I, as I got older, I I do travel, but I think I would have traveled when when I was younger. Um, I jumped right into real estate and was putting in you know sixty, seventy, eighty hour weeks. It was crazy. But wow. uh, I, and also would have gotten involved in more charities because I think when you give to others and you get involved, not only do you get contacts from it for your real estate business, but you feel better about yourself. So I, I do a lot of that now. I wish I'd done it more of it at a younger age. And then I, I would have bought more property earlier. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I was scared during those times because I was young and, and uh, afraid to take the leap. Um, but I recommend and encourage everybody that's listening to this to to do that if you're in the brokerage business. If you couldn't do commercial real estate anymore, they, they passed a law in Los Angeles. They said no more Beitler. Um, what other career would you pursue? Um, too old to be the shortstop for the Dodgers. So that's not going to work. <laughs> but um, my pleasure is taking that real estate deal from infancy and whether it's a development or a rehab and watching it finish and watching it get leased. And that's probably what I would be doing and am doing if I wasn't doing brokerage. You know, it's funny. It's it literally doing a development. It's like giving life to something because it's like you have an idea. You're going to pull a few things together and then this thing is going to exist, this economic bundle. And it, it has life, you know, it does. And, you know, I, I'm a believer that you put some extra dollars into the deal. You don't skimp. You do something a little different so that years from now, it doesn't look like every other building on the block. Well, we'll close with this. So you mentioned sports a few times. What is your favorite sports memory from childhood? It could be something you watched on TV or something that you actually participated in. As a child, in, in third grade, we beat the fourth graders in baseball. That was a big thrill. But as, I, as you get older, uh, depending <laughs> on what city you live in, you know, we all have our favorite teams. But I've lived through all the, the Lakers and Dodgers championships and things like that. And probably Kirk Gibson's home run in 88 was the, you know, the most outstanding memory I have. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Barry, this is fantastic. Um, I appreciate your time. I think, I think, I think there's a lot to learn here and a lot to unpack. So we really appreciate it. Well, I would just recommend your listeners that, uh, especially the young ones, keep at it, keep trying. And it, you all know it's a great business and you'll be successful. And I wish you well. Thank you. So thanks for joining me for another Broker Lord podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. We've got some great Broker Lord t-shirts, and I mean really soft, and I'll send you one absolutely free. Getting your free Broker Lord t-shirt is easy. 
subscribe to the podcast, and review it online. Then email us at Derek at BrokerLord.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at BrokerLord.com. Let us know your size and address, and the t-shirt is yours. Supplies are limited, so get your t-shirt today. If you have questions, send an email to Derek at BrokerLord.com. That's Derek with five letters, D-E-R-E-K at BrokerLord.com. I'd love to hear from you. Again, a special thanks to our sponsor, Shannon Walchek, a commercial real estate firm that offers property management, brokerage, and real estate investments. Find us on the web at shanwalt.com. That's S-H-A-N-W-A-L-T.com. Hit that subscribe button and follow me as I talk to brokers in all 50 states. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Derek Walchek, and this is the Broker Lord Podcast.